turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Okay, it's hour three. It's Backbone Radio on this November 13th, 2022. We're just talking it through, talking it through. And, you know, the thing is, in spite of it all, I mean, we are of good cheer. It's a bummer. We're a blue state. We're a confirmed blue state. And even the establishment candidates, Republican candidates, everything the establishment possibly could have wanted in a candidate being never Trumpers and pro-choicers and the rest of it, got blown out, got smoked. So we have to look deeper into the causes here in Colorado. And it is amazing to me, though, to see that the Colorado Republican establishment is somehow trying to blame Trump for what's going on in Colorado when we didn't have any MAGA candidates. So anyway, we got to look deeper. And I think one service that Colorado could provide to the nation, to the National Republican Party, is to dig into this Republican or uh, the mail-in ballot concept, the distinction between the vote and the ballot, meaning people going up, showing up and voting in person on election day versus ballots being printed for them and being somehow managed and processed into the system. It's a different, it's, a, it's different. Republicans need to catch up with the Democrats on this. And I think if we started looking there, it would be more productive rather than all this like blame, blame, blame stuff. But you know how it is. The establishment wants to expel the outsider. And I think we'll talk about that a minute here. Um, The potential DeSantis versus Trump scenario. Okay, which we don't need to go there. We don't need to go there now. But I have been going there the last six weeks or so. I've been trying to get ahead of the curve, talking about what's going on behind the scenes with DeSantis and getting the endorsements of, like, Jeb Bush and, you know, the Lincoln Project leftists and so forth. Um, and Ken Griffin, Ken Griffin, the Citadel Open Borders Warhawk hedge fund guy, who, by the way, has his fingerprints on this FTX scandal. Oh, oh, the cryptocurrency. And Ken Griffin, there's some Citadel people from Ken Griffin's organization that were involved in this FTX thing. Oh, oh, it's like, what a complete, mm, the big donors, the big donors, the biggest donor to the Republican Party is this guy named Ken Griffin, who, again, has no respect for Republican Party voters or America first anything. He has what, what he is, again, open borders, war hawk, military industrial complex, that kind of guy. And the big Democrat donors are one, George Soros, and two, this Sam Bankman Freed, who has this huge FTX cryptocurrency explosive scandal bankruptcy, and he's hiding out in the Bahamas right now, and we'll see what happens to him, like a billion plus gone down the drain. That was funneled to Democrat candidates. Huh. And even from Ukraine, American taxpayer dollars sent to Ukraine. Then they come back to this FTX and get donated to Democrat candidates. We got to get to the bottom of this one, folks. And I've been reading on that. Oh, fascinating. And is even Ken Griffin somehow tied into that tangentially in some way or another? It just tells you that uh, it's not about humans anymore in this country. And, uh, yeah, if you're on the phone lines, hang right on. Hang right on. I just wanted to get a few texts to studio because I pulled these up, uh, and I'll just go back 
Um, first text the studio tonight. Great show, Matt. I saw where with 0% of the vote total, the gubernatorial race was called for Polis. Must have been a mail-in vote landslide, end quote. Um, another one. Any concerns about the people group supporting DeSantis, Paul Ryan, and the Lincoln Project? Hmm. Um, Matt, for those in the DeSantis camp, he came out and endorsed O'Day, and that didn't move the needle, end quote. I'm reading text to studio. And by the way, DeSantis came out and did the big endorsement of Joe O'Day. Why aren't people mad at Joe O'Day? I mean, shouldn't they be mad at Joe O'Day because that didn't help O'Day? I mean, shouldn't they be mad at DeSantis because that did not help O'Day to get the, the, the coveted DeSantis endorsement of O'Day? Do you see? I mean, it would be nice to have some rationality here. Um, I'll keep going. The text to studio. And see, I love to see what, what's on people's minds. And again, the text to studio line is 720-892-6757. You can just send text on to that. You just get your phone out, send a text message to that number, 720-892-6757. I appreciate your thoughtfulness this evening, but Dominion is run by the Democrats. As long as they own the machines, there will be no change in the mail-in balance because they're counted by Dominion machines, end quote. Had a texter say that. Um, Doctor, in my opinion, Dems know in lib states they can show large wind margins, and it's believable also contributes to the perpetual blueprint. Interesting point there. The guy talking wing nuts is a fool, um, says one. Another one from this same senatorial candidates in both Georgia and Alaska need financial support and a lot um, kind of cut off there, kind of tailed off there. McCarthy, totally uninspiring. This election cycle was totally staked in baby killing dunderheads, in my opinion. Um, that was a some people send more than one text and always love that. Um, uh, let's see here. I guess my, I, I still, I wish you a blessed evening and more than a blessed week ahead. Cloward Piven strategy, because it's not so important who votes as it is, who counts the votes. That was three in a row. Um, three generations of women are used to access to abortion. They don't know a time without it. Quite a political issue. Uh, so the, the abortion issue did seem to be more significant um, than I was expecting, than the poll data said. But uh, I've seen some other data that says, no, it was actually pretty significant. So, um, Matt, the Republican base spends more time calling moderate Republicans rhinos than it spends on criticizing Democrat policies. No wonder we lose. I suggest that the word rhino now applies more to the base of the party than to the moderates in the party. That is an interesting concept. I don't quite endorse that one. Um, but uh, here's a big, long text full of information. Um, but a little quote from Ecclesiastes, the NIV. Thank you for that. Um, Dr. Matt Dunn, your loyal audiences listening and texting on the KNUS text line. Hello to Blake and everyone. Thank you for that. And um, hey, Matt, I just sent you a text. The second one, the article I just sent says exactly what you're saying about getting these ballots harvested and the Republicans need to get with it. It's long, so read it when you can. God bless you. So, yeah, when people send stuff in, that's an American Thinker article. Thank you for sending all of that stuff in. And uh, I think I, you know, I missed, I skipped over a few and all that. Um, but uh, when people are checking in, that really is helpful. And I always say, it's so seldom that there's like a critical or a negative text to studio. Um, and they should uh, call it the wall of love. Even in moments like this when we're like all wearing our pants around our ankles and we just got clobbered and it's like brutal and miserable and it's like, oh, suffering. But, you know, hey, you know, uh, 
politics is a part of life. It's not all of life. It's very significant, short and long term. And it's why we spend time. It's what we devote time. Some of us, you know, we have our jobs and our families and our work. And then we come in and we try to contribute to the cause, right? Like I'm doing. But uh, a certain amount of detachment is needed, right? You don't want to be like obsessive or too emotional about it. Oh, you just, you know, you let it dominate your life when politics goes up and down. I mean, you can't always bite every hook. Does that make sense? You can't always like swallow every bit of bait dangled before you. You can't just like uh, be so predictable that you, you know, every time somebody pushes you, you know, you, you, you have the reaction. You know, sometimes you can, you know, somebody come up pushing that you just like, ah, you know, hey, you know, kind of blow it off a little bit, right? Kind of like detach a little bit from it. And, uh, but yet somehow you have to remain in action. You have to remain in gear and you have to remain committed. Does that make sense? It's kind of a, a balance where you combine a certain amount of detachment and maintaining good health and good community relations and good social relations and, of course, good posture and good breathing. You got to maintain all that in spite of um, an awful lot of negative. And I will say this: as Colorado Republicans, we are long-suffering people. Going back, uh, would you say it's uh, 16 years, 14 years um, since we uh, started basically losing everything, and uh, nothing ever goes right for the Colorado Republican Party. And we've tried different people, we've tried different approaches, we've done all kinds of stuff, but nothing works. Nothing. And um, and I I do think that it's you know you could say well a lot of people moved in here from Colorado and other blue states but you could also say that there's a mail ballot that needs to be investigated that needs to be looked into and how are those votes being being handled and translated into into votes like the ballot gets translated to a vote where it's it's, it's I mean elections are different now I think that's a big part of the deal. And the texts are still flying in here, so honored by that. Anyway, I'll t- let's talk Trump v. DeSantis here in a minute and just go there just a little bit. Matt Dunn, Backbone Radio. There we go. Yeah, little Cat Stevens. It's a wild world. It's a really wild world. It's a really blue world in Colorado. And you just, yeah, in spite of it all, you just have to laugh. We're like, damn, this is like a blue state. And you think, you know, your typical Colorado voter could go outside every day and get mugged every day and still vote Democrat. Your typical Colorado voter could go outside or drive their car somewhere, get their car stolen every day. Every single day your car gets stolen and you're going to still vote Democrat. (laughs) Your economy could go straight down the tubes. You could be like living on gruel, like the occasional flake of oatmeal in your like water tepid water, and you're going to still vote Democrat. You know, grocery store, you can go to the grocery store, you could spend thousands of dollars to get like just a few tiny little like bags of chips or something, and you're going to still vote Democrat. (laughs) And if you're Fetterman, you don't even have two functioning synapses or gray cells in your brain, you can still win. You can be Joe Biden with an IQ, single-digit dementia, campaigning from a basement, and you can still win in this country. I guess that's just, uh, you know, the way it is. You know, that's just uh, kind of the deal. But, uh, again, it's it's the ballot mechanics versus the voting mechanics, I think, is a big thing. That's the big lesson for me of all this. I've been hitting away on that as this program has gone on. 
And I talked a little over long that last segment, and a few callers couldn't stick it out. If you call back in, I'll get right to you. Uh, feel free to check on in, 303-696-1971. Be honored to have you. Um, the potential, uh, I mean, the, the establishment, of course, is using this moment to blame Trump and everything. But, hey, Trump was the guy out there campaigning for Rubio in the rain. Trump's the guy that had the massive rallies all over this country pumping energy and life and awareness and name ID into constant campaigns. And I didn't see, I saw that he, he won almost all of his endorsed races. Almost all of them. Trump candidates, MAGA candidates won. Okay. But yet, oh, you know, they, they have to expel the outsider, the globalist, corporate, open borders, pro war with Ukraine, World War Three. Mitch McConnell in favor of the Biden agenda, wanting the FBI, CIA to run the country. I mean, that, that's it's all about control of the Republican Party. OK, and the threat to the control of the Republican Party is in the form of Donald Trump. And most Republican voters are pro-America first, pro-MAGA, period. They don't like the old Bush Romney McCain way. It's just a fact. But they're doing everything they can to try to cling, cling to power, the establishment people and this blame game is such a big part of it. And uh, just, just Trump won't play by the rules. You know, he just doesn't want the open border. He just doesn't want the globalist corporate America last crap that the Republican establishment wants. And so some Republican voters are convinced that Ron DeSantis is going to be the future of the Republican Party. There's going to be some that are convinced of that. And... Um, and I think, you know, hey, let's go on. Let's have a primary. Let's just see this through. But this has been going on behind the scenes for quite some time that the establishment people have been swarming around DeSantis and offering him the big money and putting, getting the big money into his coffers. And people like, again, Ken Griffin and the Paul Ryans and the Murdoch Empire and the Lincoln Project and, yeah, Jeb Bush and uh, David Frum and all these, like, neocon establishment figures are all coalescing around DeSantis. And... Do you think Ron DeSantis is going to be, you know, an America firster when all the money and the endorsements he seems to be ringing up are America last people? Do you think he's going to, like, be able to go against the dollars that are going to be floating his whole deal? Um, that's going to be a question. We'll see. You know, I guess, you know, you could hold out. You know, maybe DeSantis uh, really can stand up to the people that are... Wanting the same old dead dinosaur Republican Party. That's where the money is, a lot of it, the corporate money. But uh, if you look at the DeSantis track record, he's not, uh, you know, an America firster on trade. He was in favor of the TPP thing. Remember that, the America last trade deal that Trump got overturned when he first showed up in office? And, uh, you know, you look, look at his record. He's, he's just more of a conventional Republican. Okay, but he's very savvy, and he latched on to the MAGA wave and the, to the Trump wave and tied himself with the hip to Trump, and Trump got him elected to the governor in um, governorship in 2018 in Florida in a race that he barely, barely won because Trump came down there and bailed him out. And, uh, and Trump, again, helped him win his, uh, his House seat in 2016. It was a dicey call for him. And I like DeSantis. He's doing all this good stuff. But what kind of a future Republican Party do you want? That is the question. And so we'll be scrutinizing uh, DeSantis and who is supporting him, who is behind him, and, um, you know, what, uh, what is his vision for the future? And do you think, based on his donations and his track record, he really is the guy that resonates with the Republican voting base? 
there's a huge push right now on him after his successes in Florida to try to inflate him and fluff him, of course, and at the expense of Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, we'll just see how that plays out. We will see how that plays. And I would just ask, because I think that the vast majority of Republican voters, you know, want nothing to do with the old, dead, corporate, open borders, globalist Republican Party. I mean, that, that, that party is gone. But the Mitch McConnells and the people like that and the money are still there, and they are still vicious with trying to expel any threat to that kind of America last policy framework that somehow they just crave. And they do not respect the Republican Party voters. They despise the Republican Party voters. And Mitch McConnell is a great example of that. And uh, you'd say he was very savvy and he was spiking the MAGA candidates and helping the rhino candidates. And of course, as we know in Colorado, the rhino type candidates did not come out on top. They did not, they were not successful. And uh, I think there's more to it than just that. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, you know, pointing fingers as much as like it might sound like in some ways, but um, obviously the, the never Trumper um, pro-choicer thing in Colorado doesn't seem to give you an advantage. And that's what the establishment thought. And like I said, I was out here and I never um, I never said don't vote for O'Day. Never. I did register a few criticisms of O'Day's campaign. I said, you know, I wish you could give us like something to go on or something to inspire us. I wish some things that O'Day could do better. And I did say that I thought it was a misstep for him to come out and antagonize Trump and say that he would actively work against Donald Trump in the future if he was a senator. I thought that was a mistake. But um my, what I was saying is, you know, the establishment Republican Party in Colorado deserves the chance to run a real establishment candidate and see what they can do. And I stayed out of the way. I, had some, I saw somebody text in and say that I was harmful to O'Day. But I was the opposite. And I was actually helping people hold their nose and vote for O'Day. Because so many people will call up and say, yeah, I'm going to have to hold my nose, but I'm going to vote for him. And I would say, yeah, that's what most people are doing. Yeah, that, that's what people are doing. They, they don't love him. But they're going to vote for him anyway. See? So, you know, <laughs> there's no way that somebody like me on this little perch on Sundays, Backbone Radio, can have any blame for the O'Day scenario, the O'Day five spiral crash. Tried to help. Tried to help. Tried to encourage people to hold their nose and vote for him. Obviously, that didn't seem to be successful. And if our establishment was honest... They would look inside their own souls, their own never-Trumper, pro-choicer souls, and see if that worked and figure out if there's a better way. There's another way they can move forward on this stuff, okay? So, again, just I'm just being very straightforward with this. And, again, I, I do not think O'Day ran a good campaign. I just do not. And, uh, and I pointed out some of it, but like I said, I was trying to say... Well, just hold your nose. Hold your nose. That's what people are doing. And it was caller after caller after caller did not like O'Day, but they were all basically saying, I'm voting for him anyway. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. There was a few that said no. And I said, well, that's understandable. Understand? That's just a bridge too far for you, you know? And so uh, anyway, that, that should be clear. That should be clear. And I really wanted that experiment to be conducted what can a total Republican establishment campaign accomplish in Colorado? And in the person of Joe O'Day, we found out what it can and cannot accomplish. And, uh, yeah, massive defeat. So um, we got to figure out another way, do we not? All right, it's Matt Dunn, Backbone Radio. Be right back.
That bumper song from a local techno band called Arctic Lake, and that is their, like, big hit. That's a good little tune. And I uh, can't remember the name of it right now. Oh, it's called Road. There it is. Road by Arctic Lake. Yeah, Denver people there. Probably blue voters, <laughs> like everyone else seems to be in this darn blue state. Had a caller, Paige, mentioned that she's not a fan of this open Republican primary, letting, letting non-Republicans choose the Republican candidate. And I do think that that makes sense. And I was, I was opposed to the open primary back when that debate was being waged. And I'm off to the phone lines here in a second. Uh, I've got some more stuff on the election. But this, this FTX crypto scandal business, I wanted to just get some info in. And I think I'm going to hit that very hard next week um, to get into that. Again, it's a it's a cryptocurrency uh, trading platform run by this Sam Bankman Freed, SBF, people are calling him, who was the second largest donor to Democrat politicians after George Soros. And they, they just went belly up. They just went bankrupt. Like a billion dollars plus is like missing all of a sudden. And they were, like, getting money from Ukraine. Zelensky out in Ukraine was somehow investing in FTX, and then that money was somehow being funneled into Democrat campaigns. But yet the American taxpayers, he was sending money to Ukraine, and then was Ukraine sending the money back to this Sam Bankman freed at FTX and then back to the... De- Is this a money laundering deal? And even Ken Griffin, the big booster, the big donor to... Ron DeSantis has his fingerprints on this one. Oh, there's Citadel, which is the hedge fund run by Ken Griffin. There's Citadel people tied into this whole FTX thing. Oh, you step back and you think, how damn corrupt is our entire politics in this country? Oh, Lord Almighty, Lord Almighty. Um, but we'll look into that. But just so you get just a little summary info here, here is a, here is a fellow... Um, who a little Twitter account is he, he says nobody's special is what he goes by, but this is one of the best summaries I found that I thought you know this is like one minute that gets it all in. This is Sam Bankman Fried. People call him SBF. He's the founder of FTX. He also controlled a crypto hedge fund called Alameda Research, but that's all gone now. He wants you to think he's a sweet guy. He even bought in a famous YouTuber who called him the most generous man in the world. Yep, that happened. Truth is, Sam Bankman Fried is a liar and a crook. His personal crypto FTX token was basically a Ponzi scheme hidden below layers of Moonbro jargon. He even went on Bloomberg's podcast and bragged about it. Yep, that happened. He used his Ponzi token as collateral to borrow billions of real dollars that he couldn't pay back. He then used those real dollars to build an empire out of dying companies like Voyager and BlockFi. This led Jim Cramer to call him the new J.P. Morgan. That's weird. It's not like Jim Cramer to promote a billionaire con artist. SBF sold people cryptos like Bitcoin, or so they thought. What they really bought from SBF was an IOU. But as long as everyone didn't cash in their IOU at the same time, the scheme worked. Until it didn't. This other a-hole who hates SBF came along and engineered a bank run with some passive-aggressive tweets. It worked. SBF didn't have enough money to repay everyone at once, and now his customers have lost everything. He'll be happy to know that this is exactly how every bank in the world operates. So where did all the money go? 
He misappropriated $4 billion trying to save his failing hedge fund. Whoops, that's a felony. He spent $21 million on Super Bowl commercials, $5 million for the big guy, $40 million in campaign donations. I wonder what he wanted in return. And everyone who's pointing at this story and saying, This is exactly why we need to regulate crypto. Remember that SBF stole billions. That's already a crime. And he spent a lot of it on bribing politicians. Also a crime in order to create a crypto monopoly for himself. Government regulations don't protect the customers. They protect the crooks. That's exactly what SBF was trying to do so uh, there's a little summary of the ft ftx sam bankman freed cryptocurrency trading platform bankruptcy implosion leftist money laundering deal democrat donation scam what the hell I have this little bit of information here um this is from uh, a twitter account called uh amc to moon which seems like a legit account, okay? He's been all over. It seems like one of these financial people that knows a lot of stuff. And he has this little graphic up. Sam Bankman Freed's mother is Barbara Freed. And um, just, just so you get this, April 25th, 2019, Joe Biden announces his presidential campaign. 13 days later, on May 8th, 2019, Sam Bankman Freed, son of Barbara Freed, Barbara Freed is the co-founder of the political fundraising organization Mind the Gap and Get Out the Vote organizations, including the Center for Voter Information. Freed launches the FTX Crypto Exchange. The exchange is an overnight success that enables Sam to become the second biggest donor to the Biden campaign. Oh, does that make you think? Um, does it make you think? That, uh, you know, this, uh, this Mrs. Freed, um, who launched a totally grassroots Democratic PAC in July 2018, wonder how you're going to raise enough funds to make a difference, and then her son coincidentally becomes a multi-billionaire just a few months later? So, um, so this Barbara Freed, who is the uh, mother of Sam Bankman Freed, tied into these get-out-the-vote political fundraising organizations for Democrats. Suddenly her son becomes a multi-billionaire. Suddenly the billions are flowing in. And it all got off the ground right after Biden launched his, uh, his campaign back in 2019. Anyway, interesting, interesting stuff. Maria Bartiromo explains a little bit more here. A Reuters investigation revealing $1 billion of customer money has vanished from embattled cryptocurrency exchange FTX. The company founded by top Democrat donor Sam Bankman Fried filed for bankruptcy on Friday and is now moving millions into offline crypto wallets. After nearly $500 million worth of crypto assets were stolen. We're here to break it down. She's been on screen. We've both been on screen the entire time. Uh, it's Sunday Morning Futures anchor Maria Bartroma. Maria, okay, I am so fascinated by this story. Help me understand, you know, how, how big a deal this is and exactly what happened here. Well, hey, Will, thanks very much. Look, this appears to be fraud, quite simply. This is a Lehman Brothers moment for the crypto industry. It was the worst week we've seen. And it does speak to the immaturity of this industry. We're going to continue zeroing in on exactly how this happened. But this is the kind of event in business that can spiral out of control and uh, impact other assets as well. Because when you're talking about a billion dollars gone, uh, customer money, poof, just like that, uh, people have to decide what to do next. If you're out a billion dollars or a significant amount of money in one part of your portfolio, what do you do to raise money? You 
And I'll pause it there, but Maria Bartiromo trying to explain some of this big, huge Democrat donor, son of more big, huge Democrat donors down the drain, hiding out in the Bahamas, uh, trying to get to Dubai. Some of his other people from FTX are like heading to Hong Kong. Is there a China connection here? What's going on, people? How much of that money was used to help get Democrats elected? Uh, <laughs> oh, America. America the beautiful. Yeah. Uh, let's say hello on the phone lines to Dan and Greeley. And Dan, thank you for being here. Welcome aboard. Thanks, Matt. It's the first time I've called into your show, but I've been listening for a while. Honored you're here and uh, even picked up the phone here tonight. It's great. <laughs> hey, I have a question for you, kind of an open question, and it's maybe going to bleed into some other conversation. But um, when we look at the demographics of the voter registration in Colorado, uh, R's and D's and um, unaffiliated yeah. or independents, I mean, my gosh, man, who, who's the winner amongst those three? I mean, it's it's obviously the unaffiliated, right? Right. It goes U I mean, and they're, then they're D and then R. Yeah. Yeah. So if you hypothetically just put a percentage value in the unaffiliated column um, as to which way they would lean, where do you think the unaffiliated generally lean? Well, I do think they lean Democrat in Colorado. I think that's uh, that's and pretty clear. I think I think that's the answer to what we're seeing by and large across the state. Mm-hmm. And uh, being in CD eight in Greeley, um, which is newly acquired, yep, if you will, yep, um, that's probably a very good bellwether of what happened to Barbara Kirkmeyer. Yep. However, I also would say close, but I no cigar there. Conceded. But why did she concede so quickly within sight of sixteen hours of the of the uh, voting places closing on Tuesday? Yeah, good question. Don't know. She must have just seen you know, stuff that made her think but, it was time to throw in the towel. Yeah, but but I but I but that's that's kind of the crux of my point, though, is that what. What is leading people to leave the the R's and the D's, if you will, and and the outlier is how does either of the major parties, the two party system, yeah, well, uh, tally votes? Nothing works in Colorado for Republicans. Not one thing works. Nothing. Not even anything. And we got to look into the mail ballot mechanics. I think. There we go. That's Doyle and Quicksilver there. Sing me a song about Jesus. That is one thing. Is that, you know, rooted, platformed in faith. You know, the political winds blow, they come and go. But you've got a platform. It's not all about power. And it's not all about the vicissitudes of political life. And boy, there are those. And in Colorado, they're usually bad, you know, but... That's not everything. For the left, for a lot of the left, it is everything. But, you know, for a lot of the right, it's just part of the deal. And I do advise Christians to be fighters, indeed. None of this rolling over passive approach to Christian faith. But yet, at least in the end, you know, there is a platform, there is a baseline. And let that 
add truth to the equation as, yes, we pursue power as well. And I do like to think that in the end, the pursuit of power is bolstered when it is done in a truthful and righteous manner. The people who just pursue power for power's sake and they lack truth, they're missing out on some fundamentals. But if you can just add truth to that equation, ideally, power would flow out of truth. Truth would enhance power. And that, that is where we're going to hang our hat. And, you know, in uh, each little moment, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But onward, good cheer, stiff upper lip, even though we might be living in a gulag, even though... We might be in a prison cell, even though we might be destined to live in a pod that we do not own, watching our propaganda, eating the bugs. Yeah, we'll still have our faith, you know, I tell you. Anyway, uh, one quick thing, and I'll go to the phone lines, but uh, Stephen Miller was on with Maria Bartiromo this morning. Had so many phone calls, I didn't get to play any of this, but Stephen Miller, I think, is really a, a voice to listen to in a moment like this. And here's at least one clip of his. Joining us right now to examine the reasons for the lackluster performance by Republicans is the former White House senior advisor, Stephen Miller. Stephen, it's great to see you this morning. Thank Thanks you. for being here. Absolutely. Let's talk about your thinking here. What are the reasons, in your view, the Republicans underperformed? There's three very important considerations to understand what happened. Republicans won the popular vote by between five to six million votes. We'll see what that ultimately comes down to, but about a four percentage point edge. So the first question you ask is, how is it possible on a national basis for millions more ballots to be cast for Republicans overall, but to lose the Senate and to have a cliffhanger in the House? And the biggest and number one reason for that is Democrat mastery of mail-in balloting, vote harvesting, and the machinery of the early vote in these states where they're voting for weeks, if not months, before the election. So in very tight swing states, where it's going to be decided by a few percentage points, they can swing the outcome by collecting ballots in extremely low-propensity areas and with extremely low propensity voters and bank those ballots long before election day ever happens. There's no such thing as election day anymore. Take, for example, a case like Pennsylvania to be concrete about this. So Oz leaves a bruising and bloody primary. And as is normal, what happens when you leave a bruising and bloody primary, you're going to be down in the polls against your general election opponent. So what happens? Early voting starts Harvesting starts. Unsolicited mail-in ballots are sent out for weeks when Oz is behind in the polls. When he's 10 down and then 5 down and then 3 down and then 2 down. When he has the debate and he wins and he comes up ahead on election day, it's too late. The old rules, the old horse race that you and I and our, and our viewers today followed their whole lives doesn't apply anymore. Yeah. When the Republican candidate closes strong, it's too late. That's reason okay, number so, one. So election day is no longer election day. That's number one. What's number okay, two? Okay, so that's Maria Bartiromo, Stephen Miller this morning having a conversation. And Stephen Miller goes on to rip Mitch McConnell for starving Blake Masters and Don Bolduck and <laughs> the MAGA Senate candidates. Um... And for lacking a total a vision at all. McConnell had no vision. McConnell's game was to have a rhino Senate or a rhino Dem Senate, not a MAGA Senate. That was Mitch McConnell's war, okay, all along. And I've been saying that all along around here, so this is not news. 
And then uh, Stephen Miller goes on to blast McCarthy in the House and saying that where was your vision? Where was your reason to vote Republican? You know, you didn't hammer away anything there. So uh, Rahim Kassam, who writes over the National Pulse, says this, quote, Before the results were even in, Paul Ryan tried to blame Trump for Republican underperformance. Think about it. The rhino establishment runs bad campaigns, throws money against their own candidates, fails to gear up for any election fraud challenges, and immediately has a strategy ready to blame Trump? It almost all seems intentional. It's high time someone asked the question as to whether the GOP intentionally threw some of these races just so they could have this fight, end quote. That's from Raheem Kassam. Anyway, uh, we'll be talking about this more. And by the way, I said it was Doyle and Quicksilver. It's Doyle Lawson and Quicksilver. Got a whole bunch of Texas studio loving that tune. And it's, yeah, sing me a song about Jesus. You got to love your bluegrass country gospel. Oh, I love it. I bathe in it. This is a good time to bathe in it, you know? We got our platform onward. We want power, but we got truth, too. That's what sets us apart, (laughs) even though we don't have power. (laughs) Yep, lacking that right now. Anyway, but let's save this country. Hey, no one's giving up. We're saving this country. Find a way to do it. Figure it out. And the ballot mechanics is the thing. First two hours of this podcast, we really covered that. Back to the phone action. Peter in Denver. Glad you're here. Peter, what's going on? Hey, Matt. Glad to be here. Right on. Likewise. So what I'm hearing is we can't control this ballot mechanics until uh, we get back in power. But we can't get back in power until we control this ballot mechanics. Sounds like a catch-22 to it me. It sounds like a <laughs> bad situation to be in, doesn't it? Yeah, you need a Republican House and Senate to change anything about the mail-in ballot and that those mechanics in Colorado. But we can stop other states from heading down this road. Florida has done a good job of clearing that away. And you see, I think they had a lot of election integrity in Florida. And a very lopsided Republican victory there. Good job, DeSantis. But uh, but we're in in it deep here. It doesn't seem like it's going to be changed here at all. Yeah. And uh, sure seems like it. Just one other thing thing you were talking about all day. I didn't decide until election day. First, I did. I wrote in a, a vote. I didn't want to vote for the Libertarian or the Democrat. I wrote in uh, Ron Hanks, but then I crossed him out, and I actually voted for a day. And I wanted See? to get back to my car. Says, so I, I want. Wait, wait, wait a second. I wanted to get back to my car so I can go and take a hot shower as soon as possible. But <laughs> I actually repented. I actually repented and asked for forgiveness in the car. I got the car. I hear you, man. But you see, that's that's what MAGA yeah. voters did. They they sucked it up and they voted for O'Day, and um, it it you know I mean it didn't work. I mean O'Day never Trumper pro choicer went down the tubes, and the establishment got their guy, and uh, he failed, and they're trying to blame Trump for it. Which to me that's dishonest. Come on, establishment, you can do better than that. Find find a way to be better. But uh, see, Peter, yeah. you're, you if if you would vote for O'Day. Damn, that must have been hard. Because oh, you're, you, you, I mean, you put America first, totally. So I, t- I, t- I, t- I do, but I still, I felt terrible after I did. I had to get out of there. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, Idiot. but uh... <laughs> it's okay. Kind of funny, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, man. Uh... All right, I'll talk to you again, man. You take care. Oh, okay. Hey, and, you know, salute you for it. You know, we gave the establishment the chance to, to run their campaign the way they want to, and they did exactly, exactly, between the guardrails, exactly how you run it, and it didn't succeed. So uh, who are you going to blame for that? Well, 
I think the establishment does need to look into their souls. And we need to look into the mechanics of ballots versus votes. Thanks for all the Texas studio, Blake. Thank you, my man. See you next Sunday.